1: From the AutoLine Studios, here is your host, John McElroy.
2: I want to thank you for joining us on AutoLine this week. You know, we talk about all kinds of topics on this show. Today, we're going to talk about communications, how car companies communicate internally, externally, on the products, on the business. And I got three of the top best people in this business joining me for today's show, including Tony Servone, the Senior Vice President of Global Communications for General Motors, Chris Hosford, the Executive Director of Corporate Communications for Hyundai Motor America, and Stuart Shore, the Vice President of Communications and Public Affairs for Jaguar Land Rover North America. And it's great to have all three of you here on today's it's show. Great to be here. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about. Let me just start out. Tony, I'll start with you and you guys jump in. We've seen so much change in this industry, uh, and let's just talk about it from a communication standpoint right now. But Tony, bankruptcies... Uh, record recalls scandalous things happening from a public relations standpoint what stands out in your mind as the biggest change
3: that you've seen in your career well there's been so much from a communication standpoint i think the biggest change that we're seeing right now is how we communicate to people and the tools that are available to us it's it's transformed itself if you think back when I started a mere 30 years ago, and your your objective was to get a big print piece, and if that print piece came, it, it influenced everything else, and there was long print pieces, that was the, the norm of the time, to today where we're where we're really storytelling in bits and, and talking and building stories online and having the ability to follow how people follow your story and what they do with it. Are they really interested? I mean, if we printed something in the New York Times, it was great, and it still is great, but if We didn't really know if people took that and talked to their family about it. We didn't know if they took it and talked to their neighbors about it. I mean, some of the history would would have said that it was influential enough, it was an opinion-leading publication. But today, we can actually see where they're sharing stories and what they comment on and what they say about them and how engaged they are in a story. Huge difference in how we're communicating to people. And that, that goes internally as well, internally or externally. And, and allowing yourself to get that feedback, that mechanism, that's part of the communication model that we all learned about in school with, you know, beginning with a, a message and then getting the whole loop all around to feedback. Well, now you get it in real time and you get it instantaneously. It's fantastic. Chris,
1: your your viewpoints on what's changed since you started? I, I think there, something's totally different, right? and, that's, and that's the way you talk, um, I I use Twitter a lot, and I like Twitter because I think that's the way people think today. They think in 140 characters. You know, you get about 12, 14 words. It's not really quite that bad, but it almost is. Everything has to be very quick, very short, very tight. So I think that's totally different than, than, you know, the six- or eight-page press release that used to be fairly common. On the other hand, I think... Ultimately, what you're doing is exactly the same. What you're trying to do is explain your company and what your company does and what your company has to sell and why it's better than the other people in your, in your business. And that hasn't changed. But, but how you do it is completely different than it, than it was. And the number of people doing true long-form journalism today, you could probably count on one hand. Whereas, as Tony says, 15, 20 years ago, that was the norm. Stuart, how do well, you see it? Well,
4: just to build on that, um, back in our earlier careers, there were a few really influential opinion-leading media and media outlets, and they sort of drove the agenda for the rest of the media world. And I think in today's uh, environment, you still have that, but you have the second tier of just thousands of media outlets, and some which we call citizen journalists, who are not even journalists at all, who are all now weighing in on the story, participating in the story. And they could light a fire that could end up being just as uh, influential around the world as one of the larger ones. And so I think we have to be able to manage the, the communications process and the mechanism um, as much as we have to control the message and manage the message part of it. So it's a, it's a different mechanism now than it used to be.
3: But John, one thing that Chris said I think is really important is the authenticity of the messaging and the authenticity of your story is still the underlying fabric of, of what makes a good story and when people, and how you get people interested in it. And we used to work together, and that was really the basis of what we did back in you know our mm-hmm. earlier careers, and that's still what we do today. You have to find that, because there's it's a huge industry and there's a lot going on. But we're in an environment today that has so much more noise, too. I mean, think, just think about the explosion of cable channels and, and how, many, how many different outlets are now available to us, as Stuart said, how many citizen journalists are out there and everything else. If you're not having authentic communications, if you're not really opening the doors to what your company's really about and you're just kind of putting something out there, it doesn't resonate and it doesn't move reputation. And in the end, that's all what we're, we're talking about doing is we're talking about managing reputation, managing employee engagement. It's really those two, those two levers. As you've all talked about, you can get this feedback on a real-time
2: basis. How has that changed your job? Because I've got to believe you're getting inundated, just as the rest of us are trying to consume all the media that's out there. Like you said, Tony, this explosion of media outlets. But what about, from your vantage point, of getting that instant feedback? How do you manage it? How do you accurately assess it?
1: I think it's really helpful because um, you, you don't have to wait. Back in the old days, you would literally wait until the next day when the paper came out. It would actually, you would wait for a physical paper to arrive at your your office. Today, you find out two minutes after an interview is done, you see a tweet, you see a post on Facebook, you see a picture on Instagram, you see all these things, and, and it's almost instantaneous. But one of the great things it does is by the time that paper is printed, that Paper lives forever, but an online story can be changed very quickly. So if there is a mistake, as opposed to a difference of opinion, you can get that mistake fixed very quickly. By the time the paper was out, it was it was done, and and whatever was in that paper was perceived to be correct and accurate, uh, and it wasn't always, frankly.
4: It's interesting because we also now have the tools in our hands to respond to miscommunication or misunderstandings or, or just outright incorrect information. This is something that um, I think started at Chrysler with their firehouse blog, where we all of a sudden now as communicators have a tool to instantly tell our side of the story to uh, thousands of journalists in a few moments, as well as to employees and retailers and other stakeholders just by putting out our own message um, online in a very direct manner, where in the past we might only have the tools of working with the media to help get the story out. Now we have some direct channels. And that's just an extra um tool in our tool belt
3: yeah it, another piece of this though that's maybe a little bit less immediate reactive piece of it is the ability to aggregate data though and and to be able to take just mountains of information and not only the instant feedback but taking it and aggregating to see what is really resonating, what's making sense, what people are interested in, what they're talking about, are you part of that conversation, and that aggregation is is hugely important and communications for decades has been arguing how do we measure our worth what do we do and and we always lost the argument when it came to marketing and and what their measurements were and how people responded to certain um, ad buys and things like that, and today working together it 's not us versus them in marketing it 's working together in terms of what is resonating, what stories are out there, how are people talking about our business, and then bringing those two pieces together to say, are they thinking positively, are they thinking negatively what what challenges do we have but really, John, I mean you, you, when you open the story or you open the show today, you, you talked about you know all the you know the, the big news items, if you will, but, man, talk about opportunity in this industry. What? There's, this is the best time to be in this industry. There's more change going on today, and, and there's just as much opportunity to tap into that enthusiast who wants something, to drive something like a Corvette or a Camaro, but there's just as much interest in, in being able to, to talk to somebody about their connectivity and how they're using a car and uh, you just did something on the radio the other day about uh, a couple weeks ago probably now maybe even a month but about um, voice recognition and how and where that's at and how much more progress needs to be made there but uh, how much progress is being made that's just phenomenal time when you talk about aggregation explain exactly what you mean so so you can you can take information from all of these sources all these digital sources and be able to to bring it together and say okay which pieces are the same what what lines what what themes are resonating what is going on and then what are they doing with that information are they taking that information and sharing it among their peer groups are they moving into discussion platforms about that information and you take all of that and you can you can begin to say okay this is what people are really interested in this is what's really authentic here's where we play not you know, Well, they're interested in here, and we, we stand for this over here, so we've got to figure out how to go over there. No, it's really finding the avenues where you have like-mindedness and building on those. It's a, it's a phenomenal tool today that we never had
4: before. We used to make a lot of assumptions. We made a about ton. About how media were responding or what people were saying or how the public was reacting to a given story. Right. Now we can find out almost instantaneously.
2: Nonetheless, Chris, this has got to have changed the, the corporate relations staff or organization to be able to monitor all this.
1: Oh, yeah. I would say that monitoring went from sort of 5% of my attention to 40% of my attention because it it allows you, as as Tony said, one, you want to stay in conversations that people really want to have. If people aren't interested in autonomous driving, you can have the greatest technology and the most interesting stories, and it won't it won't get any traction. People just won't be interested. But you can see that very quickly and you can watch it change and it changes amazingly fast. Things that people aren't interested on week one, by week four they're interested, and by week six they've lost complete interest and they care less. And, and so you, you, you watch this, this peaks and valleys and it, it happens so quickly and it's much easier, it's a little expensive, but it's much easier to kind of keep tabs on all of your competition than it used to be, so you can see where they are, and you can you can see sort of where their their mind share is in terms of the media coverage in a way that was that was uh, not impossible before, but but took much more time and was vastly more expensive, uh, even five ten years ago. Stuart, how do you parse
2: through all this? As you've said, you know you've even got citizen journalists, as you talk, weighing in on all this. How do you go? Nah, this person doesn't matter whatsoever. And yet, on the other hand, maybe they raise an issue that catches fire. How, how do you right. really determine, once you've got all this information pouring in, that you, you can monitor what your, how your message is resonating? How do you make sure that you're really concentrating on that reaction in the media that matters? Well, you have
4: to put aside your previous prejudices, first of all, and just open your mind to, there may be people out there who are very influential that you don't even know and you've never dealt with before or you've never heard of. And I think there was a tendency uh, in the past to be dismissive towards voices that you didn't know or didn't automatically resonate. Now, today, you've got to do a little bit more research. You've got to find out who's, who's got this audience, where is their audience, how are they reaching them. And you probably have to respond a lot more than you were willing to do in the past, which means you've got to do a lot of one-on-one communication, often with journalists or people you don't even know, whereas in the past you could build a relationship with a journalist you had a rapport um, now it's got to be much quicker, and you've got to be much more open-minded about who you're going to deal with. Um, and you also have to realize, though, that things come and go. And That's, that's what we all do, is there's, there's flashes, and, and you have to be willing to sort of let that pass sometimes as compared to engaging in every single one of them and sometimes stoking the flames or keeping the debate going. Sometimes you just have to have thick skin and let it go.
2: Tony, I, as a member of the media, sometimes I, I look at what my colleagues are covering and I go, really? You think that that's important? And uh, I got to believe that you guys are going through the same sort of questioning as to what do we ignore? What do we have to really get into? Or what do we just do? Whatever. I, how, how do you have, how do you parse through all this to know this is what we've got to
3: react to? So, so John, this is going to sound like I'm corporate speaking this, but I'm not. I mean, the the reality is, is the more we know about our customers, and the more we know specifically about what they're interested in, and who they are, and what they, how they get information, et cetera, the the more we are talking in the same terms that are important to them. I mean, I think in the past this auto industry had a press corps, which you know follows the industry, and a lot of times it was about one upsmanship across town or one upsmanship across, you know, into another country and another foreign competitor, and. It's really not about that today. It's it's about understanding who that customer base is, what what really makes them tick, and what is different about a customer that buys a Chevy Malibu versus a customer that buys a, a you know Yukon Denali, and you, they're very different, right? But but we used to do programs where we'd invite those same media, exact same media, to a place, drive a car, truck, whatever, fill in the blank, do all the same mechanisms that we had in place that always was that's just how we did it right and today that's not that's not the case you very much are tailoring it to a customer so i think it's the the more we know about them and the more information we're getting from our marketing colleagues about them about our customer base the more closely linked we are in integrated communications i mean this industry has not had integrated marketing communications at benchmark levels at any point in my career, and it's getting it's getting vastly better across the board. What do you mean, integrated marketing? So, you know, 30 years ago or so, or 20 years ago, I don't know, Chris, you can pick the date, but... Uh, <laughs> um, You know the promotion that you did around marketing was promoting the marketing campaign, and today it's much more sophisticated. It's who is the customer? What what makes them tick? What pieces of the story need to be told through communications and dialogue? And which pieces of the story can be told through merchandising? In other words, getting them to drive the consumers to drive the vehicle. Where do they intersect? And I mean, we just we were out in LA and we just had the you know the find new roads driving launch of the Camaro, which was the, the the hook of it, but. We had four thousand consumers in that program that was linked with with marketing and the regional regional marketing adver- regional marketing um, organizations as well as the uh, the advertising buys in the areas and the merchandising guys so we go down and, and we did something in Texas and there was a NASCAR race and you know we, we allowed people to give away tickets to the NASCAR race and it was just totally integrated and it, and it was a completely different experience for the media for the traditional media, for the new media, and for the consumers altogether. That's that's just different. It just wasn't done that way. I think it actually probably was done that way back in 1950 and 60, and then we kind of lost
1: lost into the press corps. It sure wasn't in the 70s, 80s, and I remember starting out my first public relations agency. We hated the marketing agency. We hated the And they hated us. I'll never forget walking into a meeting and sitting down at a table. And they sat on one side and we sat on the other. And the client sat at the end of the table. And within five minutes, we were fighting with each other. Absolutely fighting. And it wasn't about the client's business. It was about who's smarter, who's better, because the belief was that the pie was so big and the more one side got, the less the other side got. And it's totally changed. Our uh, agency of record, Ketchum, meets with our marketing agency in Ocean every week. They're probably on the phone every day. We, we meet with our marketing counterparts every day, We're, our, our quite intentionally. When our new office layup was, layout was set up, our public relations agency was put right next to the marketing agency. And there are days when you can't tell where one stops and the other starts. It's the only way to do business now.
4: Yeah, Every initiative has to have all of its levers being pulled in order to be effective and to compete. And so you've got to have direct marketing, event marketing, advertising, public relations, direct mail, um, social media, everything working in a cohesive unit towards one cohesive message out to the customer. And if you don't have all that, then you're missing an element of it, and you're not being efficient. You're not being as... uh, You can't afford not to be that aggressive in today's market.
2: This is very interesting. Listening through the three of you, from three different companies. You've all worked for different car companies than you do right now. So this is an industry trend that you're talking
4: about. Yeah. Well, I think, in one way, social media almost was the thing that brought us together in, in some ways because it was an area that was sort of unclear in my experience between who owned it, sort of marketing or PR. In the end, we sort of both do because we're both putting out, we're all putting out information that people on social media are taking and sharing, essentially serving the function that we've always served with just strictly journalists which is to try and get information out disseminated to the public. And so I think we've all realized now um, to be competitive and to be the best we can be, we've really got to work together hand in hand all the time.
3: I think, though, so, Stuart, I think, I think you're right. As Social media played a role in that. But I, but I also believe, John, wholeheartedly that the amount of information out there and the noise that's out in the it's forced us to say wait a minute we can't just run into an echo chamber and invite five of our neighbors and everyone start yelling it just does it just bounces around so the alignment i think is critical because of how much is out there and how much is being discussed on a constant everyday basis
2: so this makes your your messaging more targeted you have
3: to you have to be clear you can't assume people are going to be able to connect the dots on their own and you know, that, that hasn't been the hallmark, uh, frankly, over the course of over my
4: career. Some, some but, of the... I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, but, but today, you know, you really have to have that focus of messaging that's aligned so that it's building, so that it makes sense and it resonates and it's authentic. Again, back to authenticity. It's so important in our business.
4: We've um, all had a lot of great experiences in recent years with advertising the Super Bowl, which is an advertising um, action at its root but as much a public relations campaign as it is anything. And I know Hyundai's done a great job over the years, and we dabbled in it with Jaguar uh, two years ago. And we got, as, we got far more exposure in the public relations campaign for having a Super Bowl ad than the ad actually delivered on its own. But when you put the two together, it was extremely powerful. So that's more of this aggregation that you're talking about. Uh, Chris, products... The vehicles that
2: Hyundai-Kia make versus the business as it exists. How do you balance... What kind of messaging that you're working on, or is it just whatever is popping up at the moment?
1: Well, first of all, I, when I started in the business, which as Tony may have alluded to, was a few years ago. Um, I didn't mean to insult. Y- you know, you're the same thing here today. It, it all comes down to product, and it does. And if you think about the great brands in our business, they earned their reputation by the products that they sold. That's what they were best known for. And and you see it over and over again. That's where the reputation comes from so you can never ignore the product, but you also have to remember it's not the only thing it's a, it's a little like looking at all that data you know the the um, the science is really important what does the data tell you but there is art to it as well so the science is going to help guide you on the on the specific story that you're pitching at that moment in time but you're also going to be working on the art, which is the themes which are going to build over time to that brand reputation so you work those themes in and those are those aren't just every year those aren't your one yearly business plan those go five years those go ten years for a great brand they go on forever and you continue weaving those stories into that theme and that's when those two come together and then if you add marketing and public relations together you get this really powerful message that you can send out
2: Tony has Has it changed uh, the the PR business from the sense that uh, at the very top levels of the company, it's considered more strategic now? Do boards of directors look more importantly on public relations departments than they
3: would have in the past? I think they. that's that's a tough answer because I I, I was fortunate enough to work for a bunch of places that valued communications throughout my career. So um, back when I was at Chrysler and Chris and I were working together, Stuart, all three of us were there at the same time. you know, we had we had a senior leadership team and a board that very much valued the role of communications and and how it played out and how it led to the discussions that were going on about the company. And I've been able to, as I've moved through my career, been able to, to follow that. Um, you know, clearly the boards are interested. I, I don't find them, though, separating out communications distinctly differently from reputation management. And, and that's really what it's about. And that's the combination of all these forces coming together. Uh, clearly, you have... Issues or crisis management that you're handling in a different way than than you might be handling a, a launch, but a lot of those tools are still coming together, and there's a lot of the coordination is still there. So I don't really find that they're they're looking at it differently. I believe though that with the tools that we now have we have the ability to have more credibility to sit at the table and say listen if i do x y and z i know it's going to lead to this kind of momentum on the brand and if i get it into building net momentum then i know it's going to lead to consideration because we know what the math is that's leading to these things and and that's just we didn't have it before before it was (coughs) you set down a clip book and a binder and said look how wonderful we are you know it's like i don't know if it's doing anything but i got a lot you know i got a lot to show for it but but it's, it's clear today that, uh, that you can show them those linkages. And so I don't know that, they, that they're viewing it completely separately, John.
4: And I think that most CEOs understand that one of their biggest jobs is communicating a certain message to all their stakeholders, retailers, employees, the government, the customers. Um, and so they really value and rely on a communications counselor, which is what we are at, at its root. You know, to help them craft that message and help them get that message out to all the people that it's important to them. Um, I I think it's one of the most valuable things that a CEO has in their arsenal to -hmm. get their job done.
2: Yeah. Chris, is it hard to get talent to come into the public relations business? Is is it difficult to get a new generation interested in what you all
1: are doing? No, uh, it's not. And um, we have a somewhat undeserved reputation inside our company as the fun department. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> and i'm I'm very proud of that on one part, as long as people don't misunderstand that fun somehow means a lack of seriousness or a lack of purpose or a lack of impact. Um, what we do is really interesting and it 's challenging because you work on a lot of different levels. if you 're an engineer, God love them, you 're always working on that scientific. You're always working in that quantitative area. But, but as communications people, we get to play in the quantitative and the qualitative areas. And we get to go back and forth, and we get to see where they overlap, and we get to see where one leads the other, because neither one leads the other all the time. So we're constantly doing all of this. And the other thing that I love about the job, and I think that a lot of people see as something that they want to enjoy, is that we stretch across a corporation we don't just work in one area. We aren't just engineers. We aren't just uh, financial people. We aren't just marketing people. We aren't just salespeople. I talk to all of those people every week. Every week I'm going to talk to every one of those people. So I get to see all of the corporation and how it all works together because that helps me tell the stories that I need to tell about the company and the products that we sell. That's a great point. You, you guys probably do see more of the company than just about anybody else in the
2: company. Just about, oh. For
4: well, sure. Especially with issue management, which is something we all work on. We don't know what the next issue is going to be, but when it comes up, we all of a sudden have to do a really deep dive into a given subject that we may not have ever worked in before. Um, and that's one of the things I find most fascinating about the business, whether it be learning about health care all of a sudden, or taxes, or an engineering problem. Um, all of a sudden, we have to get in there, and we have to be almost like private investigators and find out what's really going on. And, and, then, and then from that, discern a message that, that helps the company tell its story. And we're down but, to the
3: end. But, but let's, let's not kid ourselves. The reason why we get to play in a lot of these different fronts is because the interesting, the interest in our business the brands that ha- are so emotive that we belong to and the, just the complexity and size and influence of the businesses that we represent. And so you know, when you ask, is it hard to bring people in or get people to come into this business at, from a communication standpoint, it's one of the most exciting places you could possibly work, John, and it's fantastic.
2: That's great to hear. And with that, we're going to have to wrap it up. But I want to thank all three of you. Tony Servone, Senior Vice President, Global Communications at General Motors, Chris Hosford, Executive Director of Corporate Communications for Hyundai Motor America, Stuart Shore, the Vice President of Communications and Public Affairs, Jaguar Land Rover North America. I want to thank you guys for coming on today. You make my job easy. This is great having a panel like you here. So thank Thanks, you. John. Great, appreciate thank it. It's good. I want to thank all of you for having tuned in and join us next week for another edition of Out of Line this week.